are doing it, doing it well, and, um, and I, think, I think we're doing it and are doing it well and are going to do it even better, amen? And that subject is fellowship. That subject is fellowship, and we began first of the year talking about fellowship in connection with our fellowship with our Heavenly Father. And I was so determined to only talk about fellowship with Him that I was deliberately uh, ignoring lots of thoughts that the Holy Spirit was giving me on fellowshipping with one another, and I've repented of that because here is a truth, and if you don't hear, I, I'm, I'm not even going to say that's a, that's a statement of doubt and unbelief. In Jesus' name, you're going to hear and receive everything today, but I especially want you to receive this as we get started, okay? You, you can't respect Jesus without respecting His body. Let me, let me try to say it another way. <clears throat> Let's start with God the Father. You can't love God the Father and not love Jesus. You can't honor God and dishonor Jesus. If you dishonor Jesus, you're dishonoring the Father. Jesus explained that to the Pharisees who were talking about how much they loved God but you know, had nothing for Him. And He said, if, if you love God, you would love Me also. Because they're, they're, they're so connected that, that you, you can't be one without the other. John said it this way, you know, if you love Him from which you were born, then you will love others who were also born of Him. But you can't love the one from which we were all born, Jesus, without loving other people who were also born of Him. So you can't honor God and dishonor Jesus. By honoring God the Father, you honor Jesus. And you can't honor Jesus without honoring His body. Because remember, Jesus said that, that He was one with His Father and that we were one with Him. And because we're one with Him and He's one with the Father, that makes us one with the Father. For me to honor you as a member of the body of Christ is for me to honor Jesus who is the head of the body and for me to honor you is to honor Jesus and to honor Jesus is to honor the Father. For me to dishonor you is to dishonor the head to which you are a member and then to also dishonor God the Father. If you want to grow in love, for God the Father, you must grow in love for Jesus who revealed Father's love to us. But if you want to also grow in love with Jesus, you got to grow in love with the members of His body. This may be an odd way of communicating this, maybe not. How many of you have ever had a friend, men had a friend, who liked you but didn't like your wife? Well, that ain't going to fly. Me and my wife are one. To dishonor her is to dishonor me. If you like me but don't have any time for her, well, you just got to go find time for somebody else because you follow what I'm saying. But turn that around. If you honor her, you honor me. 
It's actually a greater honor for you to honor, say, my wife or my children for you to say something nice about me. Right? You follow what I'm saying? You to love your wife so much that you'd rather somebody do something for her than do something for you because doing something for her blesses you more than they just did it directly for you. You following me? So God the Father would rather you honor Jesus than honor Him. It's not that you can honor one without the other, but when you worship, that's why He's put Jesus above all things. For you to glorify Jesus, nothing gives more glory to the Father than for the Son to be glorified. And so when someone in the body of Christ does something for another member of the body of Christ, Jesus is glorified. He said if you went to visit the least member in the body of Christ, in the hospital or in jail, it was as if you and no different than you going and doing it for Him, visiting Him in the hospital, giving Him something to eat, giving Him some clothes to wear, being a blessing to Him. The enemy's tried to steal this from us. The enemy's tried to make us think the only way we can love Jesus is, is to stand in a, in, a, in a building somewhere and sing a song to Him. He loves that. Don't misunderstand me. But while you come to a building to sing a song to Him, He would really like for you to get to know the people sitting in front of you, behind you, next to you, and all around you. It's not glorifying to Him for you to come sing a song to Him, give your money to Him, listen to a, a message from Him, and then fall right back out to your car and drive home and, and never fellowship with, never connect with, never show any kind of love or concern for other members of His body. To do that is like saying, Jesus, I like you, but I don't really care for your bride. I like you, but I'm not a really big fan of your body. I'm all about the head, but I could really care less about anything else or anybody else. That's not pleasing to Jesus. That's not glorifying to Jesus. So this morning I want to talk to you about fellowship. We're going to add to the subject a little bit. And, and, and so the title of this morning's message, and more than likely it'll be a part one, part two, is this, Transformed by Fellowship transformed by fellowship. Let's go ahead and read the passage. I need to get there myself, praise God. I'm going to read it to you first from the New King James. I like the English Standard Version of this passage, but I want to read it to you from the New King James first. It says this, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. The English Standard Version says it this way, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Iron sharpens iron. Now, if you maybe see that on a t-shirt or hear other people say that, maybe you've heard that before. I'm sure that there are people who maybe don't, you know, have never been exposed to that verse, or, or people out in the world who've never really been a part of church. They've heard that expression. In other words, I hear people in the world even using that expression, like, like so many of the sayings that have made their way into you know, everyday speech and conversation. This is one that came straight out of the Bible. Iron sharpens iron. And so as iron sharpens iron, he's saying in the same way, one man will sharpen another man. 
Now, I want us to take this passage and combine it with another one from the wisdom Proverbs, the wisdom literature. And that's going to be out of Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse number 10. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 10 says this, If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. Now, in our day, we have available to us something called a chainsaw, right? In their day, they cut trees with axes and saws, and of course, those blades had to be sharpened in order to be effective. I don't know if you've ever tried to chop wood with a dull axe. Think about trying to chop wood with a sledgehammer. Obviously, a sledgehammer doesn't have any kind of point or blade to it, but the idea is that you're just striking the wood and you're not cutting into it. But if you were to take that sledgehammer and develop an edge to it, and then the sharper that edge became, the easier it's going to be to chop the wood. It just makes sense. Same is true with a chainsaw. If a chainsaw is sharp, man, it'll just like effortlessly go through the wood. But if the chainsaw has become dull, if you drop it and let, let the end of it hit the dirt, it'll dull the blade and it'll sit there and just smoke on the wood instead of actually cutting through the wood. Friction, as opposed to it pulling off those curls of wood as it goes through the wood, it just sits on top of the wood, and so it's very little progress to no progress, again, because the blade is dull. Now, does your life ever feel like you're chopping wood with a dull axe? In other words, your life is hard because your axe is dull. Jesus said, come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. In other words, he's saying that your life has turned out to be much harder, much more difficult than it was ever meant to be. Do you ever feel like your life is like that dull chainsaw and every morning when you engage life, you're not making very much progress, but there's just a whole lot of friction, a whole lot of uh, smoke that's coming out of it, but not a lot of progress. It's because we need to be sharpened. We need to be sharpened. We need to be like that sharp axe, that sharp saw that effortlessly plows through every day, that effortlessly mows down every challenge, that effortlessly moves every mountain, every obstacle, every problem, every difficulty in our lives. Am I talking to anybody this morning? Now, if the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. In other words, you've got to work harder. But wisdom helps one to succeed. Have you ever heard the old expression, work smarter, not harder? 
So the answer is that we need to be sharpened. Our lives need to be sharpened. We need to be sharpened in order to be able to make more progress in our lives and in the assignment and ultimate destiny that God the Father has for us. Your enemy would love for you to remain dull. He would love for you, let me say it another way, he would love for you to remain as sharp as you are right now and never become any sharper. And by the way, like dirt dulls the chainsaw, we live in a world as we are exposed to it every day that dulls us a little more and a little more and a little more. It's called being conformed to this world by the outward pressure that's being applied to us from this world. So if you do nothing to sharpen your life, you are as sharp this morning as you will ever be. Because the world in which we live has a dulling effect or we could say it this way, a hardening effect upon our hearts. The more we're exposed to misery, the more we're exposed to violence, the more we're exposed to what's going on in the world around us, the more callous, the, the, the harder or the duller our senses become, the harder our hearts become to it. We have to be sharpened, and we have to not only stay sharpened, but Father God wants us to be even sharper than we are right now. Oh, can somebody say amen to this? Is this striking a chord with you anywhere? So the question then is, how do we become sharper? We become sharper through one another. I am here to sharpen you and you are here to sharpen me. And that's not just a servant leader to the, the family of faith here. Every person in this room is here to sharpen every other person in this room, and every other person in this room is here to sharpen you. Transformed by fellowship. Now, fellowship is one of the most important ways Father brings growth, maturity, and change to our lives. Many people are stuck at a place in their growth and development and will not progress any further without more fellowship with God and others. I'm not asking you to raise your hand outwardly, but I'm asking you to raise it inwardly. Because I know by the Spirit of God, there's some folks in this room this morning, you're stuck. You've been stuck in a same spot or a similar place now for some time. You've prayed for breakthrough. You've asked God for breakthrough. Some of you have even read books about breakthrough. Some of you are even confessing scriptures about breakthrough in your life, in some area in your life. Maybe you're here and, and you are believing God for a spouse and you feel like you've been stuck 
where you are right now without making any progress in that area. Maybe there's other things. Personal habits, financial uh, issues, areas in your life or marriage, different things that, that you would not necessarily be comfortable sharing with other people, but yet there are things in your life you seem to have been stuck in that one place and haven't been able, for whatever reason, to break through it. Some of you have gone so far as to pray and fast about that thing. Amen or oh me. Some of you have gone so far as to seek professional help and counsel or therapy and things of this nature because it's this gnawing issue, this gnawing problem, this challenging obstacle or some kind of dominant negative emotion in your life that you haven't been able to punch through, break through, get through to the other side. You're chopping with a dull axe. And the only thing that's going to sharpen the axe that will bring the breakthrough is fellowship. Father spoke this to my heart, and I'm telling you, I'm here, I'm here to give it to every one of us and everybody that will listen to this later on the internet. Please, please hear me. There are some things in your life that can only be changed through fellowship. Never be changed any other way. Now don't misunderstand me. Father has many ways to produce change in our lives. And there are many different factors that contribute to our growth and development. In the same way that physical growth and development is not just a, a, a one you know, item agenda, in other words, is food important to physical growth and development? It is, but is it the only thing that's necessary? No, it's not. Other things are also important. But food does for you what nothing else can. And if you have every other thing that you need to grow and be healthy in life, but no food, guess what? You're not going to grow and be healthy in life. So when it comes to our spiritual growth, development, maturity, Father has many ways to produce that kind of change, that kind of growth and development in our lives. For instance, His Word. You, you can't grow up in the things of God apart from the Word of God. And this is by no means an exhaustive list, but prayer also is a key factor. Prayer combined with fasting is another key factor. Praying in the Spirit in unknown tongues, the Bible says, builds you up. Makes you strong in faith again. A key factor in our growth and development. What we did this morning, hopefully everyone participated. Worship. You can't grow without worship. You, you, your refusal to worship or being stuck in old uh, patterns concerning worship going to limit your ability to grow in development. You can't grow without giving, and I don't just mean finances. Giving, discipline, serving, all of those things help us grow, develop, and mature in the things of God. Anybody listening to me this morning? Anybody got an amen for me on that? If every bit of that is true, we could preach sermons on, on each one of those. But listen to me, please. You can do all of these things for hours a day. You can spend time reading confessing the Word hours a day. You can spend hours a day in prayer. You can spend hours a day fasting or days on end fasting and all these other things, but you will only grow so far without fellowship. 
Now, let's get something nailed down this morning, okay, please. Father God has placed in you things other people need. You have things, gifts, callings, abilities, talents, potential, perspective. Come on now. You have things to offer the body of Christ. Offer them to God by offering them to the body of Christ that no other person in this room has to offer. Father God has placed in you things other people need and He has placed in other people things you need. Yes? We keep looking everywhere for purpose in life. And it's right inside of you. We keep trying to figure out, oh man, it's some reason the good Lord still has me here. He's got a bigger purpose for my life. It's right in front of you. He has put in you things that other people need. And He has put in them things that you need. Do you realize, and I'm not trying to, amen, elevate myself this morning, but just hear me please. If there is one person in this room that has benefited in life at all from anything you received from God through me, you only received it because we have some level of fellowship. Think about that. I mean, I, I'm, first of all, my confidence in do what I do by faith, amen. But, you know, it hadn't been that long ago since Past Appreciation Day, so I know that some of you have been blessed at least a little bit by me over the years, okay? So I'm, again, I'm not trying to say look at me this morning. I'm, the point I'm trying to get you to look at though is if we never had fellowship with one another, fellowship meaning what? Community, exist together, communion, share with one another. If I had never shared with you what God has given to me, and if you would have never at least shared your effort to be here, your time to be here, and your attention while you are here, That's kind of almost the bare minimum, right? Then you would have never benefited. Now I'm trying to show you how Father has established the body of Christ to function and be effective and for every member of the body to receive from Him through the body what you need in life. See, we want to get it directly from the head. It doesn't work that way. I mean, I'm not saying that He don't speak to us. Yes, He does. But if we're going to understand the body, there's one life in my body that is shared by every member of my body. The Holy Spirit is the life in the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12 says we have all drank from that one Spirit. 
one source of life for every member of my body. Some of you look very distracted this morning. Is everybody okay? You get anything out of this? All right, let me, let me try to finish right here because we've got a few other things to do. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 33. Turn with me there, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 33. Now listen, you've probably been asked this question before in one form or another. I'm asking you this morning to hear it um, again for the first time. In other words, don't just zone out on something because you think you've heard a message about it before or because you've read the Scripture before or maybe because you've even committed the Scripture to memory before, okay? Because Father wants to breathe on this this morning. I'm telling you the Holy Spirit is breathing on this, all right? There's a lot of us in here that have been stuck in habitual patterns that we can't quite seem to break. We've, we've been prayed for. We've had hands laid on us. We've been to classes, we've been to counseling, um, we've prayed, we've fasted, we've memorized the Word. I'm not, do, I'm not making light of any bit of that. But I'm telling you this morning that the breakthrough that you need is going to come from you allowing other members of the body of Christ to sharpen you. Amen so that what's been like chopping wood with a sledgehammer is going to become like a brand new steel chainsaw with a carbide titanium blade on it, right? Knife through hot butter, if you don't know what that means. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 33, it says, Do not be deceived. Look at me before I read another word. Anytime the Bible says before it gives you a message of importance, it will say something like this. Do not be deceived. Why do you think He's selling us this? Because a lot of people are deceived concerning what's about to be said next. Let me say it another way. A lot of people read this and believe that they are somehow at least the one exception to this biblical truth. Friend, hear me. You are not the exception. To believe that you are is to be deceived. Because what does it mean to be deceived? To be deceived is when you believe something to be true that is not true. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Let me give you this from a couple of other passages. I mean, uh, translations. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, the God's Word translation. Do not let anyone deceive you. Associating with bad people will ruin decent people. From the Amplified, do not be so deceived and misled. Evil companionships, and notice the word in parentheses, communion, associations, corrupt and deprave good manners and morals and character. Let me give you another verse. Proverbs chapter 13, verse number 20. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Whoever walks with wise people from the God's Word translation, same passage. 
Whoever walks with wise people will be wise, but whoever associates with fools will suffer. Man, I'm trying to finish, and I'm feeling myself coming down here with you, okay? i got to talk to you for a minute, alright? This is important. Who are you currently spending the most time with? Who are you currently spending the most time with? Who are the ten closest people to you? Who are the people that you share the most with? You can't find it exactly written this way in the Bible, but I believe this simple statement is supported by multiple verses. Show me the ten closest people to you and I will show you your future. The world has a saying, birds of a feather flock together. Meaning we have a tendency to surround ourselves with people who are similar to us. The devil has tried your whole life to get you in a boat that you can't get out of. And then fill that boat with people who are in the same boat as you. Are any of the ten closest people in your life to you this morning more successful than you? Because so many people suffer with such insecurities in life, we have a tendency to surround ourselves with people we feel superior to. People that we feel equal to or better than. Well, the problem with that is, you're in a boat with birds of the same feather, and there ain't a bird among you who know how to get to the next level. Who know how to get that boat to where it needs to be. Who know how to get out of a life of, of surviving and get into a life of thriving. Who know how to get out of a curse and get into the blessing. Who know how to get out of sickness and get into healing. Who know how to get out of confusion into wisdom and understanding. If you walk with wise, you'll become wise. But if you walk with foolish people, you're going to suffer like all of them. You want somebody sharper than you sharpening you. You want to find somebody that has been successful in the journey that you're undertaking and get right on their hip pocket to the point that you almost have to apologize to them for asking them so many questions. But if they're a member of the body of Christ, they won't mind answering them questions. Matter of fact, it'll be the great joy of their life to tell you what God did in their life and how God brought them out and how God set them up and how God put them over and how God prospered them and how God healed them and how God delivered them and how God brought their family back together and how God returned their children to them and how God saved their marriage. They won't have a problem all telling you about that. Because it's a heart of gratitude. It's a heart of thankfulness. It's a heart that's been blessed. 
You're struggling financially. See, we like to, we like to commiserate with people who are also struggling financially. You need to find some people who are overwhelming financial successes and surround yourself with them. The company you keep, right? I like to give people who teach me things credit, and I'm going to give Sister Donna Moore credit for this one. Because what she said had never occurred to her, to be honest with you, had never really occurred to me. She told me one day, we were talking, she goes, you know, Pastor Mark, I woke up one day in my, I think she said it was in her 30s, and she said, I realized that I had never really chosen a friend that my friends just kind of happened to me. That when I looked at the friends that I had in my life, I never really stopped to consider that I had ever really deliberately chosen one of them. It's just like we met. and, and look, I'm, not, I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. But what she realized was she needed to start using the wisdom of God in choosing friends. Choosing them. Come on, singers and musicians. Choosing them. Am I the only one that's, that was kind of a revelation for? Have you ever stopped to think about that? You go to somewhere new. Maybe you got a tattoo, so you look for somebody else who's got a tattoo. Maybe you smoke cigarettes, so you look for somebody else who smokes cigarettes. Maybe you drive a Volkswagen, so you look for somebody else who drives a Volkswagen. Maybe you ride a Harley Davidson, you look for somebody else riding a Harley Davidson. You look for somebody with a ponytail, maybe you look for somebody else got a ponytail, right? You got one, you look for somebody, or whatever. We're looking for somebody that we can connect with, somebody we can relate to, somebody about our age, somebody about our same life experience, somebody that we can relate to, somebody that can relate to us. I'm not saying that we should reject those kinds of relationships, but let's be a little more deliberate here. Because that's the beauty of the body of Christ. We all have something for the other members. Our Creator and Heavenly Father has seen to it. He's orchestrated it. Amen? Wow. Wow. Amen. I know this may sound a little bit silly, but some of you younger women find you a, a, a mature uh, lady Maybe you don't even know her, but the Holy Spirit will show them to you. Come on now. Holy Spirit, you can look around this room and Holy Spirit will just like, just, just put a light, spotlight on somebody. Go up to them and say, uh, ma'am, you, you may not know me, but you know, this is a perfect opportunity because I, I just opened the door for you, right? Ma'am, you may not know me, but my name is so-and-so, so-and-so. And um, look, I've just noticed that, you know, you are walking with God and, and have been through experiences in life that I'm trying to get through myself. Would you, would you mind being my friend? Some of you younger men in here. Man, there's... There's some of the most amazing men I've ever met in my life sitting in this room right now. Some of the wisest men... It's like I almost like want to pay Rick Hosmer and Jerry Goblin for just letting me work with them. The things you can learn from these men. Am I right about this, Mark McClellan? 
Johnny Weekly's another one. My goodness gracious. Just like, sir, can I stand here and look over your shoulder for a minute while you do that? There are so many godly men in this room, men who know construction, roofing, uh, computers, auto mechanics. I mean, and not to mention the things of God. They're just waiting to, to impart to you things that they know and learn and victories. And See, the devil wants us to all file in here, sit down, stand up, sing our song, sit down, give our money, stand up, pray, sing our song, and go. That's, them days are over, amen? Them days are over. Praise God. Those who are serving communion, if you would please come. Man, I know you don't like to move while I pray, but just, okay, you come as I pray. Our Father, thank you. Lord, for the things that you're teaching us, things that you're awakening our hearts to. Thank you, Father, that you're giving us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to understand these truths. Father, help us to get outside of ourselves. Father, help us to quit thinking that we know it all when we don't know anything apart from you. And you've given other people in this room answers that we need in our own lives. Father, thank you this morning for helping us become more aware of the people that we've surrounded ourselves with. And Father, that you're showing us how to break from that pack and to surround ourselves with folks who have answers that we don't have, who know things that we don't know. Father, that we're, we're not so insecure that we can't admire someone who has progressed in an area that we want to progress in and humble ourselves and learn from them and receive godly wisdom from you through them for our lives. Father, thank you for this time of communion this morning and all that it means to us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. They're going to begin to serve you the bread and the cup. If you're a guest with us this morning, we would absolutely love for you 